0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special Under the Radar election bonus episode. This bonus features interviews from three candidates running for local office in and around Appalachia. I also wanted to let you all know of a couple of quick announcements before we get rolling to them. First, we're going to be doing a live stream of the election on election night. That's next Tuesday. I haven't solidified which platform we'll be using to stream on, but it'll probably be a multi-platform thing, so keep an eye out for that and uh, make a plan to join us as we break down the election live. It'll be fun. We did this before, I think in 2020, so this'll be another good one. We've got Callie on board this time. Second, if you're a student or faculty member at WVU, West Virginia University, you should come to our post-election live podcast recording on WVU's campus November 10th at 6.30 p.m. You can check our Instagram page for more details about that, and you can check out our Link Tree to register. So finally, let's get into our interviews. We've got three interviews today. The first is with Josh Rimillard. He is a veteran running for the 118th House District for North Carolina's State House. That's Haywood and Madison Counties, Cali's old stomping grounds. Next, we've got Allie Lehman, who is running for the West Virginia House of Delegates, 24th District. That's, I believe, the Huntington, West Virginia area. And finally, we have Kellen Squire, who is running for Virginia's 55th House of Delegates District, which is in and around the Charlottesville area. We hope that you enjoy all these interviews they're all really great Callie did a wonderful job uh, especially considering that I could not be at any of these but she's a much better interviewer than me anyway so I think uh, you know all for the better anyway that's all the announcements let's get into it and thanks so much again for listening
1: Great. um i am here now uh with Josh Remillard who is running in my home district actually it's really fun my dad was who found Josh um and and connected us together um my my parents are big democrats as well and so i'm I'm so excited that this is our first interview um, of our kind of little-known but totally kick-ass local candidates. Um, And so before we dive a little bit deeper into your background, Josh, I wanted to uh, ask you if you could tell us what you're running for um, and where your district is.
2: Sure. Um, I'm running for the North Carolina House. Uh, District uh, 118. And so this consists of all of Haywood County and all of Madison County in Western North Carolina.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So that is um, a lot of a lot of great places there. Places like um, Canton, Waynesville, Clyde um in, in Haywood County. Um, and that's that's where that's my old stomping ground. So I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited you're going to be repping repping Canton. Um, so what made you want to run for district 118 what what makes it so special
2: yeah, Man uh <laughs> there's I guess there's so many reasons but I guess for me it all sort of goes back to having served in the military uh you know I uh in 2006 I I joined the army and, and I wanted to serve something bigger than myself um I wasn't doing a whole lot with my life and I just I felt like I was cheating the system so I um I signed up and I did eight years as an infantryman two combat tours in Iraq. And when I, when I left the army, I felt like what I, what I feel that a lot of veterans go through is that there was sort of a loss of mission a loss of purpose. And I, I wanted to continue being a force for good for my community. Uh, I mean, I still volunteer with organizations like team Rubicon, uh, which, which trains veterans up on how to respond to natural disasters around the country. Um, but there was still something missing. Uh, and and I've, I've always, I guess, up until I started running for office, uh, I felt that politicians isolated people. And, you know, when they always promise the world, and then when they get to office, it always feels like they don't really do any, anything. And I didn't, I didn't feel like that was right. I felt that government can and should do good. It just depends on who's in office, who's representing you. Is that person more concerned with leveraging their own career? Or are they concerned with actually strengthening their community and that's that. the latter is what I wanted to do Uh, so that's that's really why I got in this race Um, and then of of course ultimately um you know I I've as I've been canvassing around the district I've 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 heard it from from a lot of different people or a lot of different sides of this but for me January 6th was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back Um, you know I I lost battle buddies overseas and I lost a really close friend of mine uh, back home due to PTSD and, you know, that's that's a scar that I, I still carry with me. And, and to think that people like Madison Cawthorn, even though I'm running against him, would be willing to encourage people to show the worst of, of our society uh, and to just to allow that and encourage that. I just I drew the line and said, you know what? No, there was too many people that have sacrificed their lives for this country. And we we need we deserve someone who actually cares about defending our Constitution and our rights. And not someone that's in it just for themselves and to hold on to, to power.
1: Yeah, that that to me, I, I feel like I'm seeing a, a groundswell of veterans who are stepping up. It, it feels like being a veteran, having served in our military is one of one of the, the best things to prepare you for a moment like this. Um to be able to stand up and say like, no, I I've read the constitution. I know what it means. Um, I, I swore to, I swore to that constitution, not to a president, not to a party, not to, you know, a place that, that, you know, was, was the capital or whatever, but I swore to the constitution. And I think that, that is so powerful. Hearing that from from so many veterans, I who I think you know, we're seeing it all over the country. So I, I do want to move to getting to know you a little bit better. I mean, I feel like I I already do have a, a sense of of why you're doing this, but. Um, you have really a compelling story, even beyond your military service. So um, I, I, even though I want to hear about your military service, I definitely do. Um, can you just let your listeners know a little bit about your background? You know, you're a dad. You're, you're all of these things that, that folks can relate to.
2: Yeah, I, uh, well, I mean, just from the very beginning, um, you know, I, I was adopted uh, around the age of four. Um, you know, I, I, I was born in Goldsboro. And then I bounced around from foster home to foster home for for a while until uh, my grandparents were able to adopt me. Um, my grandfather was working for the state department, and uh, you know, so when they when they brought me in, I mean they they could have they could have just gone on and lived out their golden years traveling around the world, you know. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, but you know, they they saw they saw a kid in need, and they took a lot of huge sacrifices on to help give me a, a good life, and that's that. I feel like that's a debt that I could never repay. Um but I, I always strive to try to tr- try to repay that somehow. Um, and I, and I assume that's that's what service to my community is for for me. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean aside from that, I um, I mean I, heck I've, I lived all over the place. I lived in Israel, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Egypt, uh, a lot of places. Um, when my grandfather d- decided to retire, he retired in Wilmington. Um, and that's that's where I went to high school. that's that's where I joined the army. Um, and, you know, after I left the army again, you know, as I said before, I, I, I wanted to do more. I wanted to be a force for good for my community. And so I, I decided to use the post Nine Eleven GI bill and I got my bachelor's degree in political science and philosophy um, because I wanted to have that, that deeper understanding about how our politics is done. And I also, and, and the reason I chose philosophy, I guess, For a lot of the same reasons, but also, you know, when I was younger, my grandmother used to always tell me, Josh, you need to find a career that you can just argue all the time because that's all you do. And uh, at the time, I was like, no, Nana, no. And so, you know, we argued about that for a while. Um, But I guess later on, as I I got older, I I was like, you know, that that conversation came back to me and I I started looking into occupations that weren't lawyers, Mm
0: -hmm. that I could
2: do that. Uh, and i found philosophy and when i started reading some of the socratic dialogues and, and other philosophers and so on like i just fell in love with it and i, I loved it when i was in college be, learning about philosophy because it expanded my understanding about how we should associate with one another, what's how we could associate with water and it sort of I, I think developed a broader sense of empathy for, uh, for for people just with varying views you know
1: yeah yeah that is so important i think our politics is missing that so much um, in our dialogue and it's funny so many people have said the same thing to me like you need to be doing something where you get to argue because you have so many opinions and that was that was like the thing I was the girl with opinions so I totally understand (laughs) Um, and, and it's amazing that you also have this global tie, like you, your, your view is so broad. Like you, you, like you said, you've lived in other places, you've experienced the world and to have a leader like that who wants to serve at a state level like this, I think is such a powerful statement to what local government can be and should be. Um, And so I, I, I really, I'm, that's something that's quite exciting to me about your candidacy. So let's go into a little bit about about what you what you stand for what what is out there about you um and and what i really found were these kind of five main planks that i would love to talk to you about um number one is veterans um number two is democracy which i love um number three is healthcare. uh number four education and five sustainability and clean energy um start anywhere you want to, um, I will keep track and we can make sure we hit everything that way you don't have to keep track of it. Um, and so start on any one of those. Why, why are those so central to your campaign?
2: Um, you know, I would say the overarching reason is because, you know, I, I decided to do something different with my campaign that you know, I, I, don't, I don't see a lot of other candidates doing uh, and that's getting on the ground. And and talking with constituents, trying to build a platform that's that's reflective of my community. Uh, so when I get down, I knock on doors and I talk to people. They tell me I ask them like, "What are the things that you value about our community, and what would you like to see a representative actually do for you in Raleigh?" And I've that's essentially where this platform was was has been constructed from. Um, but the first th- the first thing um, on the platform, veterans. Um, as I said, I lost a, a battle buddy of mine due to PTSD several years ago. Um, you know, I, I sat, I sat, in his, I sat on his, uh, next to his bedside um, after he was declared, you know, brain dead because he ended up taking his own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was tough because when I, when I, when I met him in Germany when I was stationed in Germany, you know, he and I, you know, we we bonded very well. And then of course, you know, we were separated once our our unit split up. They sent us back to different uh, units he went off to Afghanistan. Um, and when he came back, he just wasn't the same. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'd, I'd never seen him cry and, or, 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 or really express any kind of personal emotion like that. Um, but we were, I was taking him to Taco bell one day and he just, he just uh, melted uh, in, in, in the parking lot oh. on me and, and was talking to me about all the regrets that they were ambushed. He lost soldiers and he just had this, he had all these regrets, all this, all these nightmares of that. And then he ended up taking his life. And, you know, I, I sat with his body for three days. I, I couldn't leave him. Um, and that, that was such a strong memory of mine that came flooding back when I, when I started running for this office. Yeah. Because, you know, our service members, they go off and they serve our country. And then they, 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 they have this burden of, of their experiences overseas and then they come back and then there's a transition. Like I said, for me, it was difficult in transition there's a transition that's hard to make because you, you've had this expectation, this weight, this responsibility placed on your, so- your shoulders. And then there's, there's not really that transition back into civilian life. And that makes it very hard for, for service members. And I, you know, I, I, never, I never want to have to do that again for another service member, I have to sit by the bedside you know, as, as their body's being rolled out, out of the hospital room. Um, I feel that even though the VA is a federal program, there are there there should be things that the state can do for our veterans especially in a state that considers itself a military friendly state yeah you know we could be doing more programs we could be doing more initiatives that that, that help veterans transition and, and, and also help uh, you know the community understand these new hard and soft skills that veterans have have acquired throughout the military service and, and so I just i, I want to uh, ultimately i want to be an advocate for veterans mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that's important that's hugely important
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. First of all, I I am incredibly sorry for your loss. Um, I know that 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 is one of the worst things imaginable. Um, And I think that you're right. North Carolina does consider itself a a military-friendly state. And I think that 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 is something that is sorely missing from our state government. Um, And I, I love that. Let's move to to democracy. What what is does what does that that plank in your platform mean?
2: You know, I, for me, I think it. I want to say, overarchingly, it, it's it's cutting through a lot of the noise. Uh, again, as I've gone out and knocked on doors, I knock on Republican doors and knock on Democrat doors. You know, and and a lot of the responses I get when I knock on a Republican door, you know, they'll be like, "Well, which party run for?" And I say, "Democrat." And sometimes they'll, they'll immediately start turning away or they'll just tell me flat out, I hate your party or get rid of Joe Biden. Um, and it's usually at this moment, I'm like, all right, well, I've already lost you. So I might as well try to, you know, try to push the conversation further and see what what comes out of this. And, you know, there's there's a lot of disinformation out there. And I, I, I and so I, I try to I try to, you know, cut through the noise of the disinformation. And and I I feel like that is what led to the January sixth insurrection. Yeah, this disinformation, um, you know, this, this the permitting permitting the wrong ideas about our country, about the other party, about the election systems and stuff like that. That's allowed. That that has persisted, and that allowed that anger from those people to to swell, and then 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 the then the riots happened, then the insurrection happened. And I I think that. Ultimately, what's important is we don't need representatives that continue to divide our community. What we need is people who are willing to create that bond, restrengthen strengthen that bond between constituent and representative, between our neighbors, between our friends, between people in our community. Uh, just fundamentally being that person who's trying to, you know, be you know, be the the calm voice in the room, if you will. Um, I think that that is that's that not necessarily a policy stance but but how you lead, how you lead it in a community.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you see, um, this is a kind of diving into this question. I, I think that, is there a problem with local, means of communication or like what what is a what is a solution here is it town halls is it organizing people to to go out and knock on doors even when you're elected even when even when it's not about re-election you know what do you see as a solution to this problem of disinformation
2: yeah um i you know, being, being, a, being an, uh, an NCO or a Sergeant in the Army, you know, the, the, the mentality is always just work, just, just you know, what, find, a, find a problem and then find the solution to it. Uh, I think that several approaches to this issue uh, could, could be had. I think that what's important is having constituent services. It, uh, I haven't heard of any constituent services in my district. Um, so if that's the case, actually establishing something where people can go to and 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 express their issues uh, their concerns and then then if there's a new policy that comes out that affects healthcare, well that from that that constituent services headquarters i can convey that information out to people
1: yeah
2: Uh, additionally i think that yeah i mean once once elected the mission's not over with it's important to continue getting out there and knocking on doors you know, I I know that you know, I know that Governor Cooper has already agreed on a on a bill that would help expand uh, broadband into rural communities, but you know, let, you know, be, getting out there con- constantly, knocking on doors, talking to people, letting them know what's happening, uh, and then just, uh, you know, one thing that I experienced again, another thing I experienced again on, on, on in knocking on doors, so many people back to back to back tell me that they haven't had a a representative or a candidate come to their house in over uh, several decades. yeah. And they're shocked that I'm I'm knocking on their door and I don't feel like that should be the case. It should be the case that your representative is finding time to come and talk to you personally and let you know that he has your back or they have your back.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. All right, healthcare and education. Where where are you on these issues? I think that you know when when we hear about kitchen table issues at a national level, this is what we're talking about: healthcare and education. Um, there's a teacher crisis right now, teacher shortage going on. Um, healthcare prices uh, obviously are, are really difficult for many people um, and access to healthcare in rural areas is also a problem. So, so what, what is um, kind of your, your stance on, on both these issues?
2: Yeah, I, I think that it, it has, as far as healthcare is concerned, it's, it's been far too long for North Carolina to not have expanded Medicaid. Uh, I mean, people are, people are paying astronomical prices Uh, to go see doctors or to take, for me, for instance, for my, for my girls, my, my daughters, if I, if, if Eowyn or Guinevere is sick, it's, it's, it's extremely expensive to have to take them to the hospital. Um, But I mean, those, that, that shouldn't, ultimately, my mind shouldn't be the case. Uh, You shouldn't have to make the, to make a, you should not have to sit down at the table by yourself with your loved ones and make the decision, okay, how much are we going to spend on groceries versus how, you know, how much we're going to put aside, if we have to go to the doctor, like uh, that, that shouldn't be the case when there's a program out there that makes it affordable for people. Uh, Furthermore, I I think, you know, I mean, you have your hospitals closing down in in Western North Carolina. And if, you know, I had a friend who a a couple of years, several years ago, when she was pregnant, she lives way out in, in uh, Transylvania County, uh, up by Lake Toxway. And, you know, it took her, when, when her water broke, it took her two hours to go into Asheville to have that kid because, there's nowhere else in between Lake Toxway and Asheville that she could do that. And that's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but I, I think as far as the economy is concerned, um, you know, you figure we, we would like to be able to create a more robust economy. And in order to do that, it has to be some, some Western North Carolina or, or District 118 has to be a place that companies feel that, that it's, that's uh, financially sound for them to come to. If they're having to pay so much money on insurance for their employees, then they're just gonna go somewhere else, either to another county or to another state. Uh, so we're not helping ourselves. We're shooting ourselves in the foot by, by not expanding Medicaid. Um, moving into education, this has, been, this has been a topic which has been one of the most pressing topics all the way from Hot Springs in Madison County, all the way down to Lake Logan here in, 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 uh, in Haywood County every single door whether they are Republican whether they are Democrat or independent every single door I come to and I talk about education first off I, you know I want to hat tip to the fact that we you know Haywood county is number seven in the state for education so we are doing something good mm-hmm. but while that's the case so many people are concerned with the fact that that, that you know our teachers are not being paid well uh, you have an example down in Raleigh where there are billboards being put up where the, 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 the local schools in Virginia are, are poaching and recruiting our teachers to go over there. Uh, and, the, and, the, and that's that's the case because, you know, teachers are not, they're no, they're, they're no longer being uh, uh, given credit for, for the master's programs that they have in education. Uh, they're not being paid appropriate pay for what they do. There's, you know, they're having to fund, they're, they're having to put forth the funding for the resources that they need. And in some cases, they're having to pay for their own substitute teachers. Um, wow. There's, there's not. That shouldn't be the case. Teachers shouldn't have to work three jobs to do this. To do his job. Um, this is something that, that that's unanimous across the district, and, and it reminds me of again of a conversation that my grandmother and I had when I was a little kid. Um, you know, my grandfather, when he was working for the State Department, he would go off and deploy around the world, and. One day my grandmother and I were watching TV and, and football was on and she turns to me, and she goes, you know, Josh, I just, I don't get it. You know, these, these football players, they're making millions of dollars a year, and but what are they doing? They're moving a fo- they're moving a ball up and down the field. Great. Uh, but people like her mom who were teachers struggled for years. And she's like, you know, this is such a thankless job, but it's such an important job. This yeah. job is the one that creates your empathetic society. It's the one that creates your laborers. It's the one that creates your presidents and your future leaders. This job needs to have more resources and more respect paid to what it does, how important it is to our society. You know, I mean, at the time when I was little, I didn't really think about it much. It didn't really cross my mind. And it didn't cross my mind until I started running for office. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly right. I, I feel, again, we should have a representative on the ground fighting for these things um, and, and not trying to just leverage their career.
1: Yeah, amazing. Finally, sustainability and clean energy. I think this is really interesting for for a local office, and and I I know there's tons of potential in in Western North Carolina, um, and so I I was thrilled to see this on your platform, and I, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on this one.
2: Well, I uh, my my wife and I we decided to buy a house in Crusoe, and so we live I don't know 200 feet away from Pigeon River. Um, it's beautiful. This area is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I, I have cold mountain on my back window. Um, you know, I love taking my girls out in the woods. I love exploring the wilderness and teaching them about the, you know, the woods and nature and stuff like that. Um, and I think that overall the people of this district, this is another issue that, that people well, I to say issue, but it's a, it's a value that people have out here that they love. They love the fact that we have, we have such a beautiful landscape. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they want to see it protected. Again, Democrats and Republicans want to see it protected because this is most of the people I've spoken to. They've grown up here. This is all they've been known. Uh, of course, you know, last year we had we had tropical depression or tropical storm Fred come through and completely obliterate this area of, of Haywood County. Um, since then, you know, they the, the community has come together to help and and clean up the rivers and help get everyone else back on track. Um, But again, you know, I feel like the government should be doing a little bit more to help out this community, especially, you know, further on down the river, there's still several cars that were, that were taken down the river that are stuck in trees. There's still trash in the river that needs support and needs help. And it needs someone who understands that, that this is such a vital area, such a vital resource for us to go out and, and get the, get the money and the resource to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Um, something, something else that I, I learned again, while canvassing is, you know, I, I, I've heard a lot of, a lot of candidates talk about the environment and they, they talk about it in terms of broad sweeping policies, but it, it never really resonates. It doesn't feel like it ever really resonates with people. Uh, you know, so I, I, I've, I've said before, I was like, you know, we can talk about the polar bears all we want. And, you know, I, David Attenborough would would certainly love that. I'm sure. Uh, but, but nobody out here has a polar bear walking around in their backyard, <laughs> but what we do have is a robust agricultural industry and heritage out here. Mm-hmm. And I think that people across the spectrum, political spectrum, be they conservative or progressive, they all understand climate change is real. And they all understand that because they, because they empirically see it. They experience yeah. it on a day-to-day basis, their crops are more expensive to protect the crops more expensive They're going through more extensive droughts or they're going through more extensive periods of flooding. They know these things. They just need someone that has their back to help mitigate these things for us. Um, Governor Cooper, I don't remember what the bill was, but it was executive order number 80 a couple of years ago. And when Donald Trump said that we weren't going to fall in line with the, the Paris agreements, Governor Cooper said, no, North Carolina will. And he had a, he had an aggressive plan to to help reduce our carbon footprint, uh, to 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 register more hybrid and electronic vehicles in in, in North Carolina, and uh, create more sustainable energy sources, and thus create more sustainable energy jobs, green jobs in North Carolina. And I I felt that that was I I applauded his his approach standing against Donald Trump and doing that, and I think that just the benefits of it far exceed i think it's it's something that we need a representative to get behind and support
1: yeah absolutely absolutely um rural resilience is the is kind of the buzzword i'm hearing right now and it is the one that i feel like is exemplified in the crusoe community Um, the resilience that i've seen there in the people uh is is unmatched um and and i just i Number one, I just like I, I love that That's on there, but also that that you are in Crusoe and you are you're standing with the people there. That is so important. So let's talk about Mark. Plus, uh, he is your he's your opponent. He's the incumbent in the race. Um, not in my fave. Uh, this guy is is one of the most radical in the North Carolina legislature House and Senate side like he is out there. What has it been like to run against him?
2: You know, it's 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 been interesting. Um, however, uh, I would say that it's it's almost like I'm running just against myself uh, when when he when when there are events that he that he attends. He's in and he's out and he's he's done. And, you know, I mean, recently we we're at the we were both at the Chamber of Commerce meeting and in, in Lake Junaluska sp- speaking with a lot of local businesses. We were both afforded our opportunity to give uh, essentially four minutes to speak, introduce ourselves. What's the biggest issue that, that you're, you're seeing that you think needs to be addressed? Now, he's a representative in office. Uh, you would think that he would have come to this a little bit more prepared. He came in instead of talking about how fun it is that he's having in um, time he's having in Raleigh with his, his, I guess he called himself the part of the three amigos and was talking about being part of the dynamic duo batman and robin and so on and so forth and then talking about things that relate to us that that people are not consider- concerned about really with at all talking about improving um, you know the, the, the wait times at DMV sure there th- that that is a that is a headache i understand that but to me that's like that's sort of what you do that's sort of something you say when you don't have anything really planned yeah um, You know, he's talking about increasing uh, or or making sure that we can uh, create or give more funding for food boxes to help out the homeless. When in fact, his aim is to wrangle up all the homeless and ship them off to Buncombe County.
0: Yeah.
2: uh, Instead of addressing the actual issues that are associated with homelessness. Right.
0: Um,
2: Again, I I spoke about education because this was a this was a big issue uh, that I've, I've heard throughout the district. But then after the event was over, after we were all done speaking he packed up and shipped on out as quickly as you could. And, uh, and I was like, that doesn't really, you should be here talking to the people. You should be shaking hands with people and yeah. letting them, letting them see you. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's, it's been largely like I've run, been running against myself. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, he assumes that he's got this in the bag because this is a Republican district um, and that's fine. You know, I'm, it's not my job to coach Mark plus on how to be a candidate. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get out and talk to people, whether they agree with me or not. And we're going to, we're, we're just, we're just going to keep working it.
1: I love that. I love that so much. Um, that's great. And honestly, screw him for that. That's like <laughs> that. He is so absent and so, uh. He's like, I just have a lot of opinions on him. So, <laughs> finally, why should voters vote for you? Final pitch.
2: Okay, okay. Well, look, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, if people out here in this district are going to vote for, they're going to elect a Democrat. It's it's got to be someone like them who who's going to fight for them, who's not going to put special interests ahead of them. Um, and you know, the, the the reason that I'm running against Mark Plus is the reason I think I can beat him, which is. Uh, you know, I'm not running because I want to be in the, in, in the legislature. It's because I served my country already once, um, you know, Mark plus has, he has betrayed the trust of our community. And, uh, I think that this is a patriotic district and I think that people are going to resonate with someone who's put their life on the line for this country to keep it safe and continues to serve this community. Uh, so that, that, I think ultimately that's, that's my pitch. You know, I, I, I need help. In order to do that though, of course, you know, we need volunteers. Um, I'm only one person and and I'm working on knocking all the doors that I can in Haywood and Madison counties. Uh, And of course we, you know, we need, we, we need, we need money. That's, that's the, uh, that's the truth about political campaigns because in order for me to reach all the other people that I can't knock on the doors, I got to send a mailer program out to them and that requires money to do so. Uh, So those, those, those are my big requests, my big asks, uh, Get out, help out the campaign any way you can. What's, uh, what's the website? It's joshremillard.com.
1: Easy enough. All right. Hell yeah. Um, I, I'm really glad that you asked for money and that you asked for volunteers because as a, as a campaign staffer, I relate. Um, so thank you so much, Josh. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're running in our district um, and that, that we have somebody like you who cares. Um, and so I, I appreciate you coming on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I, this is this is so funny.
1: Layman, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're on this effort to get more smaller under-the-radar campaigns, some attention across the region. Um, and before we dive into your background, um, tell us a little bit about your district. What, what are you running for um, and, and what part of the world your district is?
3: So I am in the new District 24. Um, I'm born and raised here in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, District 24 runs um, Cabell County um, from about the Highland area up to Blue Soffer Road. Um, and I'm super fortunate to have gone to school here, grown up here. Um, my mom is a retired educator, so she taught at Huntington East right here. Um, she's a retired Spanish teacher. So, um, yeah, education is uh, one of my passions. Um, my mom's retirement. Uh, she's really been a huge m- inspiration for me to run. Um, and just, you know, making sure that every voice has a seat at the table and that knowing for people to know that they are all welcome to sit with us. Um, I'm running for the house of delegates. Um, and, am I'm, I'm just super excited. I've been, um, a community leader, um, invested in the community for years. And, uh, this is just a next step in public service. And no matter the outcome, I'm, I'm still going to continue to do what I've been doing.
1: Awesome. So what is it that makes your district so special or, or alternatively, what, um, about your district made you want to run for this particular office?
3: Um, I feel like certain parts of our district have been um, kind of not taken care of, uh, not seen, um, you know, Guy and Dot and Altizer gets often left out. Um, and, you know, I really want to highlight those, those aspects of the community. Um, you know, like I said, I've grown up here and have had a lot of friends that that live right over here in Guy and Dot and Altizer. And, um, you know, at the flood wall shut they don't have a market they don't have a grocery store um and they need access to to things just like everybody else does in the entire district um so you know like i said earlier being being for the underdog we have to highlight um a bit of the underdog areas and get them brought to the top
0: yeah i i think that makes sense and and you know that area is one that um has a lot of potential it really does. And I think, like, especially Huntington, you've seen a city kind of make a comeback where others are, are not doing as well in West Virginia. So that's good to see. I, I want to know a little bit more about your priorities if, if elected. What would be some of the first things that you would work on in the in the House of Delegates?
3: I mean, one, we've got to get elected first. Um, I mean, I, I, can, I have a list of priorities. too. we also have to know that, like, Um, I'll probably be a part of a minority party. Um, so I've thought a lot about different things that would be, you know, bipartisan. Um, I work for branches domestic violence shelter for the last two years. So domestic violence, um, more domestic violence awareness. Um, I'm the director of development and community engagement for harmony house. So definitely helping unsheltered individuals, um, be treated like humans. Um, you know, Better access to identification, driver's license, Uh, we need more fair housing, Um, being a part of the LGBTQ community, the Fairness Act, um, education, our teachers need to be paid like the professionals that they are. Um, I lost a lot of time with my mom. Um, Growing up, I was raised by a single mom and she got her master's plus 45. And she took those classes during the evening. And so I'd go to school and go to a babysitter. Um, so if she would have been paid appropriately, I'd ha- I would have had more time with her. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. There's, there's a lot of things that um, we just need to find those priorities that unite us, that we can move the state forward together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I want to kind of move now, um, just based on some of the things that you said, I want to move to who you are um, and, and a little bit about your story. So can you just let our listeners know a little bit about your background and, and what brought you to, to where you are today?
3: Um, so I'm born and raised here in Huntington, West Virginia, like I said. Um, I'm a daughter of an educator. Um, I was in the marching band in high school. Um, I played trumpet, French horn, and March mellophone. Um, Super proud of that. I think that was the start of some leadership abilities. (laughs) Um, You know, um, I've been in the service industry for the last decade. I've been a server, bartender, uh, restaurant, you know, front of the house manager. Um, I love people. I really do. I have a passion for this area. Um, Being a part of the LGBTQ community, I know what it feels like to be othered. Um, and I think that we need to get back to listening to every voice in, um, in our districts, in our state, um, and not just certain voices. Um, so, you know, having a passion for the community and feeling, um, knowing what it's felt like to be, you know, kind of pushed to the side, um, and be the underdog, um, that's kind of been an inspiration, um. I do a lot of other things throughout the community. Um, I'm a commissioner on the Huntington Human Relations Commission. I'm a founding member and president of Huntington Pride. Um, I sit on Mayor Williams' LGBTQ uh, Advisory Committee and the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Um, so, yeah, I, I love our community. Um, like I said, I've been an active member for a long time. And um, I'm kind of like I'm a doer. So I love to get involved in, in different projects and help out as much as I can. Uh, people know that, like, they can call me up and I'm going to be there to help with, with all the different projects. And I think we've gotten away from accessibility. Um, I'm literally putting my personal cell phone number on everything. I want people within the district to be able to call me and text me and let's have those conversations. Like, what's going on? What What are you – What's what can I – Advocate for you. That's what that's what it's about. That's what a legislature is supposed to do is to listen and advocate for every person in our district. And so I want to get back to that to the um, to the people putting people in the politics.
1: I really am curious what the reception has been for you putting your number on on things. Are people calling you? I mean, yeah. uh, So what are what are you hearing? What are you hearing on the ground? Um, I, well, I had a gentleman call me yesterday and just asked
3: me what my party affiliation was. And, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm a Democrat and, um, I'm a person of the people. So like, I want to get back to that. It's not just about which party are you. Um, it's about people and that's what, you know, we need to focus on. Um, I've talked to a lot of people about, um, putting a farmer's market over here in Guyandot and Altizer, um, affordable insurance, Um, more youth activities, um, nutrition in neighborhoods. Um, there's a, there's a lot of concern with nutrition and, and kind of like walkable access. So like the infrastructure to have, uh, the ability to get to different, different areas for, for grocery stores, um, uh, state funding to repair existing houses uh, which we have a lot of dilapidated space and the city of Huntington does a great job. And, you know, uh, so I want to be able to help advocate, uh, but yeah, people have called me, they've texted me, they've asked me questions. Um, I want people to have that accessibility. If, when I get elected, I want them to be able to, to call me up and say, Hey, I hear this is going on. Can you, can we talk about it and just have that transparency?
0: uh that's great i love that um and apologies i'm dealing with a with a slight family issue oh that's fine i can hop in
1: i can definitely Um, hop in i just wanted to give you space for sure no
0: you're fine i um i might have to hop off the call though i apologize no
1: that's that's okay that's totally fine
0: expected but um uh again i apologize um this has been a really fascinating interview so far i'm sorry that i have to leave so suddenly
1: no that's okay thanks chuck hope everything's all
0: right yeah thank you
1: All right. That's, um, I'm so sorry that happened. We all have stuff going on. Um, and so I know that Chuck really, really wanted to be here. Um, and so my apologies that that, if that interrupted your flow we can get back into it um cuz i am really excited about this so going back to like the calls that you're getting from people um i'm i'm wondering just i'm i'm fascinated by this because i think so few people who are running for office do it um and i'm wondering like are you hearing from young people or is it mostly older folks like who is it in the community that you are engaging are you getting any feel for that I'm-
3: Um, it's kind of a wide variety, honestly. Um, a lot more of younger people engage on social media. Um, so I have like, um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and, uh, started a TikTok. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really trying to do, um, as much information that I can. Um, you know, what's today's, um, September 27th. So the last day to register to vote is October 18th. Um, I know with a, with a lot of things that are going on with a, with our legislature, and uh, you know the super September thirteenth is you know one thing that brings to mind about um, you know the the ban on abortion. Um, I really hope that people get out and vote, and that they research their candidates um, and know who they can call, who they can have access to, who's going to advocate for them, um, and listen to the people. And not just, you know, the party.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's get to your opponent. Let's talk about who you're running against. Um, who are they? And what has been your experience running against them? Um,
3: the gentleman I'm running against uh, seems like a pretty decent guy. Um, I've met him a few times at a couple di- different events. Um, he's a realtor. Um you know, uh, we were at a question and answer um, event the other day, and mostly he just talked about his, um, that he's a business owner and that he's a realtor um, and not too much about really answering the questions. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's really, it was the first time I got to hear him talk about um, his platform. Um, so, I mean, I think it's awesome that he's a business owner, um, but I think that we need Uh, more diverse voices at the table and that people who are invested in the community who are going to continue to be invested in the community um, and that are just going to like listen to everybody um, listen to the experts um, you know that are team players Um, so we'll see what the district wants this is an open seat there is no incumbent um, so we'll, we'll get, to, we'll get a feel for what the new district 24, uh, wants as a leader.
1: So when they, when they redrew, um, what, so w- did they purposely gerrymander this district? Like, what does it look like as far as the demographics go?
3: Um, as far as I know from research that I've done on VAN, which is a, a voter registration, um, app website that we've used, um, this is, uh, The ninth most Democratic district uh, by the numbers, but voter register or voter turnout in the primary was about 20 percent, which is super Mm. low. Um, People, I think, are frustrated. And I think people. uh, The way our legislature has been, um, think that their voice will not be heard, but we have to have that change. We can't just stay consistent with that. Um, it's another reason why I'm running. I'm just so frustrated with everything that's been going on. And we need, we need more people who are actually, um, community servants that are going to serve our community and not just do what they're told. Um, so we've just, we really have to get people out to vote. Like it is super important. And we have to start change and change isn't going to start until we start that forward motion. So I feel like a a lot of candidates are here like pushing and we're trying to push forward, but we need everybody to have our back to do that.
1: Yes, absolutely. So how can, let's, let's take this in two parts. One, how can people who are in your district, um, who are there, who could, you know, maybe have some time to come and and, and help you out, Um, how can they help you? And then how can people who are outside of your district or or throughout this region, hearing this, um, believing in you, how, how can they chip in? Uh, Well, if people live in
3: the district, uh, they can call me, uh, they can text me, they can email me my phone number is 304-521-5121. So text me. Um, I will respond. It is really me. Um, so yeah, text me. I'd love for there. If anybody wanted to yard sign, um, more importantly, going to vote, telling your neighbors to go vote. Um, if anybody has any questions, I'm super transparent. If I don't know, I'll tell you, I don't know. And then I will find out. I will research it. Um, I'll have those conversations with the experts who we should be listening to. Um, if people aren't in the district, Um, social media is huge. Like sharing a post, um, you know, uh, following liking, you know, um, those are some of the biggest ways that people can advocate for one another. Um, just feeling the support. Um, not a lot of people, um, you know, kind of check in with candidates. (laughs) I feel, you know, everybody's like, how, how are you doing? Like as in the race, but not like, how are you doing? Um, this is very like mentally, yeah. it's, it's a lot. It's a time away from home. Um, it's, it's tiring. I mean, I work a full time job. So I'm working nine to five, Monday through Friday. Um, right after I get off work, I'm going to events. You know, I'm trying to get out as much as possible, everything on the weekends. Um, I'm married. So this is, this is a lot on my wife and our family. So, just check in with people. I know I check in with some of the other candidates. I'll call them up and I'm like, "How you doing today? you Doing all right?" <laughs>
1: like, oh, I like, love that. I I think yeah. that just common kindness is so valuable when you're on the trail. Um, it can be. I mean, uh, believe me, I'm with you. I know it's sometimes eighty hours a week, sleeping on your desk, knocking until your knuckles hurt. You know, I I that grind is a real grind. So. If you live in Allie's district, then you better turn out to vote. That is the West Virginia, oh my God, what is it? The West Virginia 53rd? What? Your district? 24, District 24. 24. I'm so sorry. Let me rewind that because I've done like four of these today. (laughs) You're good. All right. So if you are in West Virginia's House of Delegates, District 24, then you need to turn out for Allie because Allie is not only talking the talk, walking the walk, putting her phone number out there, text her, take her up on that. That is such a cool thing. I I really don't know that many candidates who are that committed to transparency. So this, this woman deserves your vote. And I hope, I hope that you turn out for her. Allie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're really honored. And we hope that we can, uh, we can send a few people your way. What is, do you have a website? What is your website? Uh, yeah, it's Allie,
3: A-L-L-Y, for F O R W V dot com. So Allie4, wvcom dot com. And again, my cell number is 304-521-5121 call me, text me. I'd love to chat. I'm a chit chatter. So um, yeah, just reach out. I want to be as accessible as possible and be the best representative I can be.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Allie. And uh, we will uh, talk to you soon, hopefully. Thank you so much. Helen, welcome to the show. We are really excited that you're joining us um, as part of our drive to get more of our local Appalachian candidates uh, who are kind of flying under the radar. We're we're trying to boost your profile a little bit, so I'm excited that you're here. Before we dive a little bit deeper into your background and who you are and why you're running, tell us what you're running for uh, and where your district is, if you could describe it for us a little bit.
4: Sure. Well, I'm running for the uh, Virginia House of Delegates in the 55th District, which is uh, parts of Albemarle, Louisa, Nelson, and Fluvanna County, which is nestled right up uh, against Shenandoah National Park, against the Blue Ridge Mountains right here on the edge of Appalachia, right to, I mean, where the where Appalachia ends is right where my district begins. And so it, it, it flows into the, like the Central Virginia Plains and the Piedmont uh, in Louisa County, all the way up to like Humpback Rocks in Nelson and Shenandoah National Park.
1: That is a really good description. I know I can I feel like I can see the roads in front of me like I've driven those roads. I like know exactly yeah. where you're going. Absolutely. Um, so what is it that makes this part of the world so special? And why did you want to run for this particular office?
4: Well, I mean, I'm obviously a little biased about what makes this part of the world special. Uh, Before I got into, so I uh, graduated from the University of Virginia School of Nursing, and uh, before that, I lived down in Southwest Virginia, down southwest of Roanoke, towards Bent Mountain. And I'd always intended to go back there. That's just where you know it's where my family is, and it's a beautiful part of the country. But I came up here. I got fond of a Fluvanna County redneck. We decided to put down roots. It's just, it's beautiful. It really is. I mean, it's it's God's country. I know everybody says that about where they're from, but it is. You go out in Nelson County in the rolling hills and Louisa and the farmland, and being able to see like all the way from louisa county to the mountains and it's just i mean i don't have the words i'm usually pretty poetic but i don't have the words for it so it's it's real easy to live and be and want to run for office here because it's just an outstanding place not just of natural beauty but of personal beauty of the people that live here like i said i'm I'm sure every politician says it about their district but uh, i'm sure they mean it just as sincerely as i do this is a great place to be a great place to run a great place to live
1: I love it when politicians talk about their homes like that, don't you, Chuck?
0: <laughs> I do, I do, because it reminds me of mine. It sounds uh, like a wonderful place. I haven't been out that way in a while, so um, I like that description. Though, uh, why don't we get into a little bit about, like, you know, why you're you're running? Like, what what motivates you? Why why you? Why now? I realize, like, I know Virginia's elections. I believe I'm correct. Aren't until 2020? I almost said 2021. Wow. 2023. 2023. Um, but, yeah. But so like why you, why now? What What, what is it about you that you think is going to make a good representative and, and why is now the right time for you?
4: Well, you know, so I ran in not quite this district. I ran in 2017 in a district that was uh, – the in, i'm running against the same incumbent and he actually worked with operation red map and so he drew a district that i mean like he literally drew a district for himself that was Jeez. relentlessly red it was r plus 25 i mean I, I i still loved it um you know it doesn't bother me i mean i grew up you know i, I was born in uh, sort of an uh double iowa farm boy and moved out here to appalachia and fell in love with the people and i've I've never had a problem uh, i feel way more comfortable out here in the hollers and hills than i do you know trying to go to some of the soirees in richmond and things like that uh and so you know i never had a problem with that i knew we had a tough race um back then but uh, you know it was all the way that that one was all the way over the mountains into rockingham and you know connecting with the people and you listen to i mean because the people that have lived here i mean it's stories from i mean uh you guys pro- i mean from appalachia like up here you'd have people that were like ah. That was where my cabin was when they built shenandoah national park and they point to it like it had just happened yesterday right and so i said it's i love to do it i did it because you know partly because i'm an emergency department nurse and so i sort of see on a personal level the failures of of government to act to protect their people particularly here in rural virginia um but you know this was when i ran first in 2017 you know it was in the wake of donald trump being elected And it was just, I mean, it really hammered me because, you know, uh, I've listened to, you know, the podcast for a while. So I know you guys are sort of in the same place as I was, but watching our people be taken in by the charlatan, uh, by this, I'll try, I guess, uh, I'll try to be careful about uh, using polite language here, uh, about this guy who never worked a hard day in his life, you know, and watching our people be taken in by, like, just you know, some of the you know, we you had a thing a couple three weeks ago. What on on masculinity and App- Appalachia, right? Watching these people get down on their knees for Donald Trump, and it really just bothered me in a in a way I couldn't describe. And you know, I never really considered running for office before that. I, I ran for school board uh, when I was seventeen. Actually, I couldn't even vote for myself because I wasn't 17 by, I wasn't 18 by election day, but uh, I would have been by the time, because the school district I was in high school in at the time had no school lunch for anybody, none. If you were a poor kid, you could go to the office and get a brown paper bag, but they didn't offer hot lunch. They didn't do anything. And I was, I watched one of my friends go hungry rather than have to go have the ultimate shame of having the poor kid lunch, right? But that was... The that was the extent I came in dead last, but I worked I worked my butt off because it, I mean, I was like kids need food. Right. It was crazy. Um, and that was the last time I'd really thought about running for office until like I said 2016 happened and Donald Trump happened. And I thought and I looked at the map and I, I mean, I I knew what the chances we had were. But I was like, somebody's got to do something. And, you know, we worked our butts off Um we did the, the incumbent we ran against was their house caucus chair so it was his job to write checks to other people and we thought well maybe if we can make him concerned enough he'll spend that money on us and he, he did he actually blew i think it was like 125 grand the last week of the race on us rather than to send it to. and you know that year in 2017 i think we missed control of the virginia house of delegates i think it was that stupid what bowl they pulled that film canister out it was like that one yeah like that top, i remember yeah. that
0: i was god and so
4: i mean i was really pleased one of the gubernatorial candidates who lost in the primary that year his name was tom periello he you know he took me aside because i was feeling pretty down he's like listen you hit the sacrifice fly you got some of our runs on the board you need to take you know and that did make me feel better but you know moral victories only get you so far right and so i you know I was wondering if that was the last time I would look at electoral politics because you know you do that sort of, uh, uh, you take that, the designated hitter role, right? But eventually you want to hit some runs for yourself or like be able to do something positive that way. And just the way it was drawn out here was to sort of, so they cracked and packed, they packed as many voters as they could into the city of Charlottesville and the surrounding area. They yeah. just, you know, they drew districts all the way, like I said, across the mountain, halfway to Richmond, things like that. Um, and so when they redrew the maps this year, we actually had a, a decent map. It was, it's pretty evenly drawn. It is now technically the bluest district that the Re- Virginia Republican party holds. Um, but like I said, it's pretty evenly drawn. And so it's like, if there's a chance mm-hmm. and having been an emergency department nurse through the last couple of years is, uh, I mean, uh, there's I got There's stuff that you got to do in Richmond. There's things that we have to change in Richmond because watching what especially our people out here in rural Virginia and rural America went through the last two years for people being abused and manipulated by people that didn't didn't give a crap about them just yeah. because you know, for partisan advantage. And so uh, I said, I have to go back to I have to try and go to Richmond again. So here I am.
1: Yeah, I I want to get into you said you're an emergency room nurse. I want to get into a little bit more about about your background because it's quite compelling. Um can you give our listeners a little bit better of a better idea who you are um and what it is that's brought you here um in your own life?
4: Uh I mean, sure. I mean, uh so I'm an emergency department nurse. I've been an emergency department nurse since 2011. Before that, I worked in pediatric acute care at the University of Virginia. And I've also moonlighted so, um, earlier, like in the early teens, uh, my wife was going for her. She's also an emergency department nurse, by the way, she was a Louisa County firefighter and then decided to become an emergency department nurse. So she's, she's way tougher than I am, but, um, um, she decided to go get her master's degree, so I went down to part-time in the emergency department for a while and worked as an elementary and middle school nurse uh, for the Albemarle County Public School District. But I said, primarily, I've been an emergency department nurse in that time. And I mean, uh, you know, I, I outdoorsman would love to go camping. Uh, uh, you know, I've, uh, I love dad jokes. So who doesn't, right? And that sort of thing. I mean, so but the being an emergency department nurse, like I said, it's given me sort of a unique position again, and, and seeing every policy failure every like failure of our government to act to protect their people and i mean really on every issue it's really cuz you know like if you call 911 if you don't know what to do you call 911 and either the police come or emergency services comes and you go to the er right and that's you know whether we're talking about homelessness like uh, criminal justice the uh, opioid crisis health lack of healthcare access i mean all of these things like sort of intersect where i am and uh, I said, especially watching the last, I said, through the through the COVID pandemic, um, and one of the things that really drives me, and there's a bunch of things that I feel passionately about, but it was watching the price, you know, for however many years that we close like critical access hospitals in rural Virginia, or, you know, primary care providers shut down, things like that. And we really, you know, ostensibly for cost savings and things like that, well, we we paid for that during the pandemic and then more so um and you know like i said it was just the it was the intersection of all of that that drove me to want to run again uh for office because those people need somebody fighting for them uh i mean there's there's so many stories that that i'd need at least a couple beers to be able to tell again that we saw and i said it was disproportionate not that the folks in northern virginia or richmond or hampton roads didn't have their own problems they did i get it but it was really disproportionately our people, like out here, and nobody was fighting for them. The Republicans that the, in Congress, the people, the talking heads, the Tucker Carlson's and Ben Shapiro's, they don't give a crap about any of those people, you know, and they were all the first ones to get vaccinated, like, right? And then they're, they're trying to tell them, oh, it's just a government hoax. The pandemic's not real. Those EMTs and firefighters, and emergency department and ICU nurses are faking it and things like that. And it was our people that paid the price. Uh, That's really the genesis genesis of everything that I'm doing is to go and fix that in person. And so if those people have to spout that bullshit, at least they can do it to my face this time, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, um, I can jump in. So sorry, I was having some issues on my end. Um, So I, I looked at your website and you have... An incredibly extensive policy portfolio probably more so than i think i've ever seen from any candidate maybe ever um what was the impetus behind that and can you tell us about some of your priorities
4: well the impetus behind that was because just as you said i don't think that anybody else does that right you know i think that the conventional wisdom is Try not to say too much. you don't want to take too many positions people can nail you down on, and i I'm very much the opposite for for better or worse i'm I'm very much a pugilist, like right? Um, I have as I've become older and more mature, more uh, choosy about the fights that I get into. like I don't mind throwing bombs, but I'd like them to be laser guided at this point, right? And so I feel passionately about i mean the stuff that needs to be fixed, and I, I feel like you know. Even, even though I would say that I do agree that um, not even the wonkiest Elizabeth Warren supporter was like, well, I was on the fence until I read her 50 page policy paper, you know, because people vote here. Right. And I get that. But I think people want to see, especially because and somebody's fighting some of the stereotypes, even back in 2017. I forget uh, there was a, a matter of who I was talking to, but I forget what I said that made them I said, I think I said akin to, or I said something like that. And they're like, oh, right. You know, like, <laughs> look at this stupid redneck here. And so I, I did, it was a little sensitive about that. And some of that is still backtracking from that is that even though, you know, I'm sort of an unapologetic redneck, I'll go toe to toe with anybody on policy that wants to. Right. Um, and I think that you know a lot of, we've gotten a lot of comments about that. And, and then the other thing that the other reason that I do, that such an extensive policy work like that is because so many people find their uh, important issue in the stuff that I write about there they're like you took the time to go through and speak about the thing that I feel passionately about and it really you know I've been just been I guess I shouldn't have been but I've been very impressed by how many people reach out about you talked about this and nobody else has talked about this like this before oh my god you know so uh, I'm just a different kind of candidate and I, I know everybody likes to think that but I figure if you're going to say that you really got to put it into action rather than just words.
1: Yeah, I really, I really like the, the, just the depth that you go into, um, of issues as well. And I think you're right about this one issue type of thing. Like people have something that they care about. And I I learned this lesson working on campaigns and, um, there was there was always this this one lady on, on, on a campaign that I was on. She was like, you've got to just add something about animals to your website. There are a lot of animal lovers around here. A lot of people really care about that. Yeah. And when I was first starting out, I was like, oh, but like yeah, it doesn't get asked about in like the town halls or anything. But we put it up there and we got comments about it, like, oh, you were the one candidate in this race that took the time to talk about dog abuse and stuff like that. And I I really, I admire it a lot. So very cool that you have so much on there. Uh, and if you are in District 55, go and check out the policies because they are Uh, They are very, very good for District 95. (laughs) Um, Well,
4: and two, we put a we've put a whole thing on there, not just the policies, but anytime somebody comes to me with an idea, even if it's not one I thought of, or you know, I've tried to put it on there too. I've got a section just for that, Uh, you know, and I've gotten some really good like, and I'll, I'll reach out to people. I've been done phone calls and I'll be like, Hey, do you have any ideas for policy or legislation? People are like, well, you can't be serious. I mean, you're just asking me just because I'm like, no, tell me a good idea. I'll put it up there. And so we've got that up there too. Just people, I mean, and, and some of it's just random stuff. I had a guy be like, you know, if we put a roof on the station, on the train station, just North of Charlottesville, we could get people come in from DC and, you know, they'll spend money at the wineries there. It spends a lot of, I was like, that's God never even thought of that. That's a great idea. I mean. Uh, I certainly have no monopoly on that. I'm very much a sort of uh, team arrivals guy and I would much rather hear like things that I'm doing wrong or things that I'd miss, especially from people like that, than I want to end a debate or something like that. So uh, I I feel very passionately about all that. That's why that's all there.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. So, all right, let's, um, let's take this to the race. Um, tell us about your opponent uh, and what has it been right, like to run against them?
4: So my opponent is Delegate Rob Bell. He is a career politician. I think he first announced his, he announced his first run for the Virginia House of Delegates when Bill Clinton was still president. So he's been there a while and he is, um, he's the kind of guy. So what he does, for instance, he does a good job of separating the stuff he does in Richmond with the stuff he does here at home. And he actually ran farther ahead of Yunkin and of anybody at the top of the ticket than anyone else in the entire Commonwealth, Virginia. I think he did double what the next person did. He ran six points, if I remember correctly, over Governor Yunkin last fall. And he does it because he's really good at constituent service. Um, so for instance, when I first uh, ran against him in 2017, I found out that Every year in the old 58th district, every kindergartner got a letter that was like two future delegates, so-and-so, right? He's really good at that. And I remember that. I volunteered for my daughter's, I was like an assistant coach at the last second because the other one couldn't do it for her soccer team in 2014. I got a letter. It's like, dear Colin, thanks for volunteering. I mean, that's great stuff. But uh, the problem is he does it to hide things. I actually, uh, I swear to God, I had one of his colleagues, one of his Republican colleagues reach out to me and go, you know, Kellen, Rob Bell is the kind of person that thinks every baby is born with a felony they have to work off. I mean, I don't know if you guys know who Ken Cuccinelli is, but Ken Cuccinelli is oh, to yeah. the left of my opponent on criminal justice issues. And if you were to the right of Ken Cuccinelli, you've got some serious problems. The, wow. the the stickler for that this year was there was a budget amendment, budget amendment 19. And so they had a bipartisan uh, bill, they had bipartisan work to make sure that people with earned sentence credits could go home. Uh, you know they'd done their time, they'd pay their debt to society and they could go home. Well, uh, Rob was not a fan of that and he got the governor to sign a budget amendment that kept those people they were told you no know, their families were said, hey, you guys get to go home. We'll send you home as of July 1st, everything's ready to go. And it was it was Rob's baby alone. He went to the governor and said, listen, if you want me to run in this now, very aggressive district my understanding is that he said here's the price you got to pay so and i think it was hundreds it was literally hundreds of people whose families have been told you're going to get to go home you're going to get to be with your family for and i mean for what i, I mean like one man's ego I, you know it's it's just that sort of i i really don't have the words i can't comprehend that i literally cannot comprehend what makes somebody do that i mean but it's not just criminal justice issues he's the guy so when one of the new, uh, very crazy delegates goes, I've got a really bad idea, he goes, great, I'm going to copy edit and make sure it passes constitutional muster, right? So it doesn't get hauled up in the courts by a Democratic politician somewhere. Um, he, de- you know, he was the author of the transvaginal ultrasound bill way back, it was about 10 years ago that was in the news. There was a big to do with that. And he was actually the first established politician in Virginia, I think, to go all in for Donald Trump. Back in 2015, the the Trump winery, which is still in this district. And so, you know, uh, ever the conniving politician, I think he saw, well, what's the what's there for me to lose? And so he's just like I said, he he's not a really good guy. He's a bad guy all around on that. But like I said, he balances that. I mean, I guess you got to give them a golf clap for that with excellent constituent service, which I think, honestly, all of our politicians would should be doing. Every Democratic politician should be out there doing all the things that he does, because that's that's what makes a difference in people's lives. It's those little, you know, you fix somebody's driveway easement problem, or you do, you know, that's what matters to them. That's where you're going to sink in. They care more about that stuff than they do. They don't have the time, and I don't blame them. I mean, like, The the three of us and the people watching this are really usually not normal people because we are hyper aware of politics and what's going on and know you know normal people quote unquote normal people Mm -hmm. don't have the time or energy for that and I get it like I I hundred percent I wish more of our colleagues understood that I um you know I I had I'll tell you a quick story Uh, a few years ago I was in triage in the emergency department doing an intake for a patient and you know it's just going it was a busy night we were we uh, really cooking. And I asked this person, I said, what are you allergic to? And they said, well, I'm allergic to Advil. And so I go and I type in ibuprofen and they look over my shoulder and they go, no, 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 Advil. And I was like, I- ibuprofen. And she's like, no, I can, I can take Advil. I just can't take ibuprofen. And, you know, my eye sort of twitched involuntarily for a minute. And I was like, well, uh, there's a orange dye and name brand. Is that what you're allergic to? She's not, just the Advil part. I can take ibuprofen. And so I was like, so I deleted, you know, uh, Advil and ty- I've broken and I just typed in Advil and just moved on with it. Cause who, who, who cares? Right. I related that story to a colleague of mine from North Virginia. And after she got done laughing for about five minutes, she said, well, you're a really crappy Democrat used a different word there. And I was like, why is that? She said, cause you didn't spend 20 minutes telling that person why they were wrong. And I was like, Oh my God, like, she's not wrong. I mean, like they were wrong, but who cares? Not like, wrong.
0: yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, like uh who cares like it doesn't matter to anybody but but she's right we like that's what well, here, read this twenty page paper I have on all the reasons that you're wrong. you know Republicans don't do that, although they do that too far, the opposite direction. they' be like, you're damn right, you're allergic to advil, not ibuprofen, you know whose fault that is It's these immigrants. I tell you what right, and so uh we we have to be able to engage with people like we and those on those kitchen table issues that matter most to them and go. You know, we have to be able to sort of use political jujitsu to be able to do that, Um, because that's what hooks people in. That's what hits people where, I mean, where are you going to catch them? And if so, if there's an uptick, whatever the climate is, they're like, it's an R plus five or a D plus five. It doesn't matter. You'll still get those people if you work. I mean, and it's really simple. It's not like it's hard or or groundbreaking stuff to do. So, I mean, that's what makes my race a lot tougher, because even though it is actually slightly, I think Terry McAuliffe got. 54% 54% in this district, uh, and it largely rural, almost entirely rural district. Um, again, again, my opponent ran six points over uh, Governor Yunkin, and he's been here for 22 years, and he's got, there's a coal billionaire in this district that loves him to death. And I don't know if you know this about Virginia, but there's effectively no campaign finance laws in Virginia. So he could call somebody and get a $1 million check, he get a 10, whatever, however many zeros you want to put into it this afternoon, right? And so when you got to go up against that i mean that's why i'm starting now in 2022 even though my elections in 2023 because it's going to be a lot of legwork i, I mean i obviously am yeah, confident that we're going to win but it's going to take all of that work from now till then to get it done
1: yeah yeah absolutely um so how do people help you out
4: uh, i mean we've been the grassroots stuff is what we thrive on right um I don't know when this is going to air, but I checked right before I came on. And I think that we are at like, since we launched our campaign in May, we're at like 725 individual donations. We were second in the Commonwealth at the half. So at June 30th. And so uh, we've been doing a really good job with grassroots stuff, you know, reaching out to individual individual people. Most of those are like small, like 25, 30, 40, $50 at a time. Uh, And, you know, having been, you know, having grown up working class and stuff, I still, I thrive on, you know, those individual connections that way, way more than, you know, any candidate, you got to do the call time and you've got to, you know, call people. And I don't know anybody that likes it. Right. And I've been lucky that we've had the grassroots support so that we don't have to do that all the time. And I can do stuff, you know, to connect with voters. Um, So for people to help us out, it's just, you know, not only grassroots, like I said, donations, small dollar stuff like that, but just getting the word out about us, you know, uh, like you said, I mean, I know I've got an extensive policy stuff, but any, anybody that has any better ideas or things that we can do, there's still plenty of stuff that um, I haven't addressed or could be addressed better that we can do that anybody that's got any ideas, as far as that goes, I'm all in for it. So, I mean, it's, it's really gotta be a groundswell, grassroots driven thing that'll get us through this. I don't, there's no shortcuts. There's no get-rich-quick schemes in this. It's just a lot of hard work from then till now.
1: Uh, I That is such music to my ears as a campaign staffer. Like, you don't complain about the call time. You've got to do it, and you've got to start now. So Virginia 55th, if you want a candidate who's honest with you, who asks you for your ideas, has an extensive policy platform, is engaged a year out from your election and cares that much then kellen is your guy um kellen thank you so much for joining us this has been awesome um and we can't wait to help you out some more next year
4: i really appreciate that i said it's again it's real surreal to be here like i said i see you guys like on youtube and i listen to you in the car on um audible and stuff all the time but like to to be here like this is like mm-hmm, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that well, is so very much, flattering Kellen. yeah <laughs> yeah it's my pleasure all right have a good one thank
4: thanks. you